This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What is up, all of our Liberty loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Today, my guest is Benjamin Ianian. He is an innovation fellow at Young Voices. Writings have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, Yahoo News, a lot of different places. Today we're talking about a piece he had in the American Spectator called Space Tourism is No Waste. Benjamin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So this is something, it might not be like the hottest topic on everyone's minds, but this is something that's very interesting to me because I'm kind of a space nerd. You know, Twitter uh, knows to just feed me SpaceX videos and pictures of space, and I'll just stay on there scrolling all day. So this is like a really cool topic for me, and, a, and I, I think it'll be interesting for everyone else. Um, before we get into to the article and these ideas, could you give, give everyone just a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, um, I graduated from the University of Minnesota in the spring of 2022, so really recently. And I studied philosophy, business law, and political science. Um, I joined Young Voices a little over a year ago, I think now, and I've been writing with them ever since. They helped me get placed on great podcasts like this and get my pro-liberty pieces placed in different outlets. So I've uh, really enjoyed writing. Uh, how would you classify yourself politically? Politically, um, you know, some combination of a classical liberal libertarian. Um, I don't know exactly what box I would put myself <laughs> in, but that I'm a, of that school of thought. I mean, that sounds pretty libertarian to not want to put yourself in a specific box. So it's uh, <laughs> kind of where where I am too. I just saw you throw out uh, in this piece. There was a Mises quote, and then you know we're talking a lot about innovation. I've been listening to an Ayn Rand book all morning, and so my my head's really in that space right now. Uh, but let's talk about this article. Uh, we've mentioned this stuff before on the show because we do an episode called White Pill Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesdays, and space tourism is one of the things. Uh, people on the left or more socialist left or democratic socialist left, they don't like it because there's better uses of our money. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, so from a principled standpoint, I don't 
have a lot of sympathy for that point of view. I think people should decide what to do with their own money. But even from like a consequentialist outlook, I think that it's misguided to believe that investment in space is a waste of money. It could have you know, unbelievable positive impacts on humanity, whether that is life on Earth or life beyond. If we colonize other planets or if we find ways to produce energy in outer space and beam it down to Earth, um, we could Joe Jeff Bezos has these crazy visions that he wants to. And I don't I don't mean crazy in a negative way, but his crazy visions of moving heavy industry into outer space and energy production so that it protects our environment on Earth. Um, now, whether or not that will come to fruition remains to be seen. But there are so many different possible benefits um, uh, that could come from going and spending more time in space, whether it's mining asteroids, producing energy, learning more about our universe, creating a whole nother economy through you know space hotels and other things of that nature. And so I think that it's, it's really short-sighted to think that investment in space flight is a waste of money. Well, yeah, even if you were going to think, uh, be a, be an altruist, like I said, I've been reading the Ayn Rand book all day. So if you're going to be an altruist, uh, you could even make the argument that this would be a good thing on on those grounds uh, in the way that a lot of other innovations have been uh, good on those grounds. You know, the thing with Jeff Bezos and wanting to move all the heavy industry off of the planet, and this sounds crazy, and it's, you know, he says it might take like 200 years for that to happen, but we know it won't happen if no one ever tries to do it because it's crazy. And we know none of these things will happen if we uh, if we don't perfect this space tourism part first or just with ease of taking off and going up and coming back down and just making that so easy that we can move forward in that. And I feel like there's a lot of ideologies, you know, the ones I'm thinking of, that are just not great at looking at that vision. They'd rather just look at what we have right now and say, okay, that's it. We got to spread it out. Yeah, there's one issue um, that people of the socialist, you know, communist ideology is that they're really focused on the now, which isn't, you know, a terrible thing generally. You know, let's worry about, you know, life on earth. Let's worry about what is, um, preventing people from becoming more prosperous. Now, unfortunately, they think that government is going to solve um, the issues of poverty when, in fact, it is a creator of poverty in a lot of senses. But I think that, you know, looking towards the future is really important because whatever developments that we witness today, you know, the innovation that helped lead to these um, new technologies that we work with every day, the innovation started a long time ago. You know, things have to be built upon. And Jeff Bezos, uh, um, to, to use him as another example, he said that in an interview, I believe it was with CNN, when he talked about moving, you know, energy and production and heavy industry to space. He didn't say um, that it was going to happen now or in five years or in 10 years, but it's about building the foundation for that innovation in the future. And if billionaires aren't open to spending their money to take flights up into space, either for fun or for innovative purposes, then, you know, it, we're going to be a lot further removed from those innovations down the line. So why, uh, why would you say that the government shouldn't just take that money and, and spend it in the, the proper innovations that would help society in the best ways? Uh, why is it best for Bezos and Musk and 
Um, I can't remember the guy from Virgin. Uh, what's his What's his name? Oh my god, his name's escaping famous, me now. Too. Famous dude. Uh, as soon as I figure that out, I'm going to be so mad. I'll I'll look that up while you're yeah. answering why the government shouldn't be doing this. Well, you know, the simple fact of the matter is, is the private sector, the commercial sector is much better at innovating new technologies because they have to deal with, you know, cost pressures of supply and demand. They have to deal with um, competing with other firms. And so that forces them to find ways to drive down costs, to become more efficient, even to be more environmentally friendly, for example. I mean, there's some concern that space flight um, releases a lot of CO2 emissions, and we can get into that in a little more detail if you'd like, but um, there's plenty of incentive for private companies to to become the ones who are able to produce efficient space flight um, with less harms to our environment. And to be sure, the government is still going to play a role in space development. So, you know, they're ultimately liable and responsible for all commercial space activities that are being developed in the United States. That's just international space law. They um, are going to have oversight on the commercial space sector, and they're also going to be a huge investor in it. Now, whether that they're giving out grants or you know giving out contracts um, to develop certain technologies, even if at least if they're just if they're involved in that role, companies still have to compete to earn those grants to have their proposals picked. Um, and so I think that it's best to leave it up to innovators who don't have to go through all of these bureaucracies and who have, you know, price and competition pressures, forcing them to innovate quicker, more efficiently and in ways that are better for all of us. Just look at the reusability of the SpaceX Falcon 9 rockets versus what we were doing before that. You know, why why didn't NASA ever do that or any other governments ever do that? And it's because they didn't have to. And now that we have those innovations, you look at that big, massive, ugly SLS thing that they sent up uh, in the in the dead of night so they wouldn't get embarrassed just in case things went wrong. You know, that massive thing they launched uh, on their 18th attempt, um, you know, the single use. And uh, sure, it's got a big payload, but then look at what's going on with Starship. I told you I'm kind of a SpaceX nerd. So there's a Starship lit up back here behind me. Oh, nice. Thing. I don't want to see that. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of a SpaceX nerd. But that's, you know, that's something that a private company is going to do. You mentioned the CO2 emissions. I wanted to ask about that. Now, is uh, is Jeff Bezos's company, by the way, Richard Branson was the uh, Virgin Galactic. That's it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I knew, yeah. I, knew I, know, I was going to like wake up in the middle of the night. Like, oh, <laughs> um, now, doesn't he use a different kind of propulsion, which is why to me, it looks kind of funny when his rockets take off, but does he use hydrogen or something like that? Is it cleaner? Yeah. Yeah. And so the, you know, the hope is, so, you know, we, we use blue origin as an example, they're trying to develop more environmentally friendly ways to um, send their rockets off into space, different propulsion methods, but you know, it, it still remains that generally speaking, space flight emits a lot of emissions per, um, Per passenger, sorry, I lost my train of thought. So, you know, for the average, let's compare it to planes, for example. So the average like long haul flight, which is over six hours, um, has, you know, more passengers generally on a long flight. You're looking at like 
anywhere between one and three tons of CO2 per passenger. Um, if we're looking at a rocket, we're looking more at two to 300 tons split between four people. So if you do the math on a total basis, it's not that much different. And there's definitely less space flight going on than commercial airline flights. And so what can really help, you know, different propulsion methods like Blue Origin um, is developing, those can help us with overall emissions. Um, and But more other things that can help with general emissions, um, especially on a per passenger basis, is making larger spacecrafts, ones that can fit more individuals on it. And if you have larger spacecraft, um, then there's, you know, economies of scale. And the more individuals that are on there, obviously, the ratio goes down of passengers to CO2 emissions. There are other developments in propulsion going on. Um, I always say this wrong, but it's called rotating detonation engines. That's a big, exciting piece of research that's out there. I'd recommend anyone go look that up. It's years away from actually being able to send um, spacecrafts up into orbit. But um, there are all these different, you know, energy sources that are being you know, researched as well, like nuclear fusion, that is a long way away from being able to give us the limitless clean energy that everyone is hoping for. But there are there's a lot of development going on um, with different propulsion methods, um, with different energy production methods. And so there's plenty of ways that we can see the CO2 levels admitted from these flights go down. It would uh, it would totally sound like a government thing to uh, to say it was too dirty of a mode of travel uh, when Jeff Bezos's idea is to move all of the heavy all 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 of the mining and everything like off planet all of the emissions off planet and you can't get to that point because uh, while you were developing your rockets it was too dirty and uh, I, that sounds completely like something a government bureaucracy would would come up with to me I mean so. It's way too expensive for anyone to do it, right? So there, people say there's no benefits or anything, but you also men- mentioned in this piece that uh, there's a lot of things that have been too expensive at first when they when they came out, like um, well, like almost everything that was <laughs> that was new, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are some yeah, things? I almost, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what what are some things? Yeah. So for example, take um, the car. The car used to be unbelievably expensive. Only wealthy people would drive cars. And then, you know, um, Ford came along and developed um, the assembly line and we developed cars more efficiently and we developed cars cheaply. We developed them, you know, much quicker. It didn't take, not one person was um, putting a car together. We had low skilled workers that could use machinery to create one specific part of a car. It happened quicker. There were less labor hours. And then, you know, we built on those innovations and now you look around, almost everyone's driving a car. And then um, even um, flight on earth, you know, commercial airline flights used to be incredibly expensive. Now planes are more efficient um, from a fuel standpoint, they can fit more people on them. The developments in the aerodynamics of planes reduced uh, flight time. So that helped drive down the costs of of commercial flights. And so literally everything that we have today that we take for granted was once a product of purely the wealthy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about y'all, but I'm my best self when I'm doing things I truly care about, like this show, day trading, spending time with my family. But when I get overwhelmed, I have a tough time doing those things, even when I know I need to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to that best version of you. 
Because when you feel confident and empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life is throwing at you. I'm one of the many people who have benefited from therapy, by the way. It helped me filter through all the noise, get down to the root cause of my problems so I could actually solve them and move on. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash GML. Yeah, and you uh, you mentioned in here is a pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy number, but you said uh, in the 1930s, a round-trip ticket coast-to-coast uh, in the U.S. was $260, which is the equivalent of over $4,000 today for a round-trip ticket. Uh, so that's something that's definitely gotten a lot cheaper over time. Only really rich people would be able to afford that at first. You got TVs, you got radios, you got the personal computer, which was, you know, computers were insanely expensive to start off with. Uh, all of these things, they start off a market for, they're a luxury. So they start off for people who are looking for for luxuries. And then they get innovated down to everyone else being able to afford them. Um, you had a great, great quote in here from Mises too. I appreciated that. A really good one that I hadn't heard before, actually. Uh, but I was going to ask, you know, what are some of the things you think could come from the space tourism? You mentioned a few. Um, I'm going to throw one in uh, before the ones that you mentioned. I think just traveling between point to point on earth being made very, uh, I'd imagine the time cut down from going to say New York to China in the business world, or maybe, I don't know, these days I should mention a different country that was uh, New York to <laughs> Vietnam uh, would be, uh, you know, so, so quick to make that, or even coast to coast, how quickly they could send a, uh, send a rocket up and have it just float back down. And I've, I don't know how long, 30 minutes uh, it could take. Sure. Now we, that might not immediately sound amazing, but the business implications of that are are crazy, uh, first off. And then as that gets innovative more and more and you fit more and more people on the rockets, I mean, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Yeah, I think that that's a great example. The investment into the development of different propulsion methods, energy methods, everything that is going into investing in the space flight industry could help with flight on Earth, could make things move faster, more efficiently. We you know, could have larger um, economic growth as a result of that and, and lift more people out of poverty. I don't think anyone would um, see that as a bad thing, at least I hope not. And there are other things that um, I mentioned in the article were, you know, the ability to mine raw materials, um, maybe precious metals on asteroids and on other planets, um, the ability to create an economy up in space where people um, can go hang out in like, quote unquote, space amusement parks or space hotels. We can build private space laboratories where um scientists and institutions can send um, themselves or their scientists up to go study how you know the human body in um changes when it's in space or have a better look at um you know the galaxy that we reside in and study it more closely we could if the more time we spend in space 
the quicker we'll be able to figure out how to move heavy industry or energy production up there if that is part of the future. And so there's really limitless um, innovation that can occur as spaceflight becomes more efficient and and cheaper over time. I will. Uh, people who listen to the show have heard me mention this before. Maybe they're sick of it. But uh, have you seen a TV show called The Expanse uh, before? Ever seen that? I have not. Okay, if you're interested in this whole idea, I think it's the second time I talked to someone uh, regarding space travel and mentioned this. If you're interested in this idea and all the things that you just said, highly recommend going on Amazon and watching uh, this show. I think it has six seasons, but it's set a couple hundred years in the future after uh, Mars was colonized, the asteroid that they're mining is colonized. People have lived and were born and died in a couple generations on Mars and on this asteroid. And, uh, and so they've kind of separated earth is living off of all the money that they're all creating. It's basically a big welfare planet. And so all those yeah. people hate earth, uh, because they're the ones doing all the work and earth is raking in all the money from all of it. Uh, and so, you know, maybe some war and stuff break, breaking out between all them. It's great. It's a really great, uh, it's great on economics. It's it's great on, you know, all the war that we see going on around Earth right now. I mean, it's just, I highly recommend it. And it's not crazy like Star Trek futuristic. It's like practi sure. practical uh, futuristic stuff. Uh, anyway, so check that out. I just wanted to recommend yeah. that. They're not paying me to do this, by the way. Uh, if anyone's listening, <laughs> they're like, oh, here he goes about this TV show again. No, it's really good. And uh, libertarians and uh, free market thinkers, I think really like this show uh quite a bit so anyway just want to give that what else are you working on right now before we before we finish up yeah well i'm i'm writing about you know i, I write about a whole host of different topics innovation is is just um one of them i really enjoy that one though so i'm looking um into you know telecommunications policy you know closing the digital divide is a huge um topic in in government right now and in public policy um i'm working on articles related to you know new economic policies that are being proposed i actually just wrote one about um the biden administration trying to impose nationwide rent control so mm. i'm writing about all different kinds of stuff hopefully i'll have another innovation article for you guys soon um and i will post them all on my social media when i do yeah i'd love to have you on and talk about that rent control uh, article sometime too. I've uh, been meaning to do uh, an episode about his renter's bill of rights that they had uh, proposed and this rent control idea that's, uh, you know, if it doesn't work on any local levels, you might as well try it in the entire country. And that's going to make it, uh, that's, that's what's always better is when you make something uh, go throughout the entire country, I guess. I don't think <laughs> Yeah, top-down governance yes. is the best, isn't it? We have so much evidence of that working. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on today. Really enjoyed this conversation. Where can everyone go to uh, to keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, anyone who wants to follow up on my writings or podcast appearances, you can follow me on Twitter, at Benjamin Iyanian, um, and or on Instagram. Uh, my username is at Biyanian13. All right, and I'll put links in that for anyone who doesn't immediately know how to spell uh, everything. The links will be in the show notes. So uh, once again, thanks so much. I enjoyed it, and we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you so much.